But I've uh, seen him in other stuff. Yeah, his last name's Ke- it's Kevin Corrigan. Yeah. And, and you have oh, I thought to- you were saying the lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins was that Kevin guy. Corrigan. Hey. No, no, no. Okay. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alan. And I finally watched Seven Psychopaths. So I realized very early on in this movie, um, and before I started watching it, that I did not remember a whole lot about this movie. Mm-hmm. I just remembered that I liked it. I didn't like it as much as in Bruges, which was also written and directed by Martin McDonough. Um, but not much of the plot. And then as I was watching it, it was kind of almost like a first watch for me because I had only seen it once when it came out like eight, nine years ago. Um, but after watching it again, I really liked it, probably liked it more than I did the first time. And I watched it twice just to see if there was anything I was, I was missing from it um, this time. And I think it's really great. I still think I like Bruce just a little bit more, but um, I definitely have a better appreciation for it. So Alon, what did you think? Yeah, no, I, I really liked it. I mean, I think comparing it to Imbruge is I I get your you know similarities, obviously. A lot of actors are the same. Um and well, okay, I take that back. One actor is the same. Um, but then a, a lot of the tone and comedic elements are very similar. I just think this is a much more like, this is like in Bruges on crack, right? Like I feel like you hit points in this movie a lot faster and a lot more energetically than you do in Bruges. Um, I actually like Colin's character a lot more in Seven Psychopaths than I do in Bruges. But I also find it funny how he's still this like comedic fuck up that is almost always clueless throughout the whole film. It's like the whole world is going on and he just like fucking doesn't know. And it's great. I love it. Um, In this one? Yeah. Well, in both really. And you know, Sam Rockwell is a treasure. Um, I actually had the thought of if you switch those two parts, like how would this be? But like Sam Rockwell playing the straight guy, it just seems to be a waste of his talents. So I quickly... Got rid of yeah. that notion. Well, because this is the same writer and director as uh, Three Billboards in Ebbing, Missouri, right? And in Bruges. No, no, no. I, I understand that. Yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is that Sam Rockwell's using him in, in a role like Three Billboards. Um, he, he's such a unique actor because in Three Billboards, he played this like racist cop that had a turn and in this movie he played like this funny man uh, that had a, a turn it wasn't always a turn but it was a turn as a you know it's used as a twist in the, in this film i love how this movie started real quick uh, did it feel like it was almost like the execution of the two in Bruges characters in the beginning um i guess the ages work i mean it's, it's kind of funny to think of about it that way um, you know, cause one's a little older and one's the, uh, a little younger guy. Um, and they're both, yeah, they're both like hitman. I, 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 you didn't get from it cause it's such a quick scene of like, whether they're like, are they, you know, for hire hitman or are they Charlie Woody Harrelson's his hitman? Oh no, no, no. I, I got it. Like I understood that they, they were kind of both, right. They were hired by Woody Harrelson, whether he owned them at that point or not, <laughs> own them at that point or not, to kill his his what? Uh, what is it? Girlfriend, wife? Yeah, you know, I did not get that. That's who they were killing until the like the second time this time watching it. So my third time overall that that's who they were. They killing. use her name and everything. I know, but they say Angela, right? And then yeah. like. And then you like continue watching it and then you find out, I mean, I just didn't keep that information in my head. Um, so I think that is cool. Like the, the way that that connects. I, I also love like how far off you can see the Jack of diamonds walking up. Yeah. And just like, as the audience, you know, this is about to happen. 
Well, you and know something's just... about to happen because this guy that you can't really see that has like this bright red head is coming at them. So you know some shit's about to go down. I know you've never seen Watchmen on HBO, but I got real like Watchmen vibes from the Jack of Diamonds character just because of the mask and everything and the mystery surrounding him. So I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, I've seen the movie. No, I know, uh, but you haven't. It's, it, trust me, the show's different. It's different. Um, when did you realize that that was, and this may be jumping ahead depending on how observant you were, but when did you realize that was Sam Rockwell? Oh, I, I recognized when the, when the movie wanted me to recognize. I didn't have some like clairvoyant thing where I was like figuring it out before. So you didn't realize it what until he killed his until he killed Angela. Um. Yep. And when he placed the card in her hand, that was the minute I I like before he even shot her. When he just placed the card in her hand and then like a millisecond later shot her, I was like, oh fuck. And then I loved watching because Taylor watched this with me. Her right. reaction was like a full five seconds later. Like turns around and looks at me like whoa and i was like yes he is (laughs) you got it you got it i think you may so obviously in the beginning of the movie i don't think there's any way you would just know it unless for some reason you you guessed but i think when um the two guys uh, like take hans christopher walken and take him back to where all the dogs are and colin farrell's there yeah and then the jack of diamonds just shows up and shoots all of them yeah I think that is probably a place you could tell. And, and one thing I really loved about that is he, he comes in, kills those two guys, and then Colin Farrell and Christopher Walken like come back to Sam Rockwell's place. Yeah. And you can tell the way Sam Rockwell and Christopher Walken act is like slightly bad acting on purpose. Oh, you think Christopher I think Walken, Walken knew? I think Walken knew because I think Walken and um, and Sam Rockwell, their relationship in the movie is pretty close. Mm-hmm. And so I was fairly confident that he already knew. But just like the way that they both acted, Sam Rockwell especially, of just like, what, 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 what happened? Why, like, why is there blood on? You know what I mean? Just, it's, it's like it was heightened a little bit and just it's like really worked well. So I'm going to take another stab at this and i'm saying i'm thinking of a moment where you can actually if you've really thought about this movie when watching it um and i i think it would have to be in a situation where it's like someone sits down with you this is your first time watching it they've seen it a lot of times before and they you know you watch the first scene with the jack of diamonds killing the two hitman and they literally are like hey i want you to figure out who the jack of diamonds is before this movie so that's all you're thinking about there's a scene even before that where I think you could tell it's Sam. It's when he places the ad in the paper about uh, a writer looking for actual psychopaths because who would do that but an actual psychopath? Like the way, remember when the old man psycho with the, with the wife? Yeah, yeah, Zachariah. Zachariah with the bunny, yeah. Um, how like nonchalantly Sam Rockwell is like, so are you like a psycho psycho or are you, cause you seem like a pretty, de- like you should did know. You, did right- you say, were you the one that said you were going to eat my heart off of a platter? And he was like, no. And he's like, all right, you seem pretty normal. Let yeah. Outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, he acts like he's supposed to kind of be a quirky character, but like you, you get why at that point it's like, okay. Well, I also think it's funny in that scene, jumping way around, obviously, but the way they kind of walk past his house to act as if it's not theirs, you know what I mean? Right. Like to pretend, because they're like, you know, we have no idea who this fucking guy is carrying the bunny. I think, and we keep like trying to say when you could guess this, but when he shows, when Sam Rockwell, and it's like a scene later, uh, Sam Rockwell and Colin Farrell are drinking like on the top of a building or something at some like, you know, rooftop bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he shows him the Jack of Diamonds story in the paper. 
And I think that's kind of a giveaway of like, oh, look at this story that I saw and like, you know, pointing it out like, oh, this would be really cool for that thing you're trying to write. Like the way he says it, I think kind of gives it away a little bit. I love, there's two scenes that I really love. One is kind of an all around moments where it's like, he's trying to get Colin to let him write the script with him. I like every moment there. And then one of my favorite scenes in the movie is where uh, he, Colin Farrell, um, reads his diary. <laughs> it's like, do not burn the neighbor's flag. And then you just look up and see the charred flag like hanging there. Now, let me ask you, though, do you find it ironic or maybe some sort of like purposeness behind it that, you know, we know Jack of Diamonds is a psycho that goes and kills like murderers. But then it just so happens that the only psycho that responds to the ad is a guy who went around with his wife and killed murderers or killed people who were like more psycho than them, like serial killers. They were serial killers for serial killers. And that's kind of what the Jack of Diamonds was. Uh, I mean, yeah, kind of. It's a... Uh... I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think it's probably just because it makes the bet, the movie better that that's what you're choosing. Also, also, in Zachariah's flashback scenes, how did he find the Zodiac Killer? Right. Yeah. That was. That was. I mean, we were gonna get to that, and I was just like, that. I don't understand that. Like the 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 Texarkana one where they're in the car and the killer finds them. It's like, what, how many nights in a row were you doing that? So maybe. And then the, the second guy was in an insane asylum. So he's been identified. Right. Uh, yeah. That's probably the most like gruesome, like kind of far out there part is like the serial killer killings by Zach and uh, Maggie, you know, yeah. the flashback, especially like when she's like just sawing the dude in the yeah. insane asylum as he's tied down. Yeah, That was rough. Yeah. That was um, the burning alive of the Zodiac killer was rough too. Not that rough. Cause you know, the Zodiac yeah. killer. Yeah. But um, he didn't look like the guy from the Fincher film. So I don't know. <laughs> Did they ever catch the guy from the Fincher? No. Anyways, the point is, is that aspect of the movie, because about halfway through the movie, the film gets super meta and I absolutely love it. Um. You know, when they're like, okay, so Colin Farrell's like, hey, we should totally just go and like the characters in my story should totally just go into the desert and talk. And then they do that for like 40 minutes of the film. And I was like, okay, this is totally what they're doing. And I totally get it. And I totally, I'm totally living for it because I love it. And then Sam Rockwell basically hijacks the story and he's like, no fuck that we're gonna have a big american shootout and then that's what happens but not really i i love like how the script they're writing in the movie becomes the actual script that we're watching it's great yeah i mean that's like the end so we're doing like a five minute episode tonight or what's up no but i mean it was a whole overarching like no i like, think I, I think the meta aspects even start pretty like a lot earlier than that too um like where um uh i think we can get to them as we go through and i will point out when i think it gets meta uh the one question i had just from the top of this is they don't really explain explain why and i'm going to just use actor names because the the names in this movie are so fucking generic billy marty charlie and then hans yeah. so i don't understand like colin farrell and sam rockwell's relationship is like i know it's actor writer but at the same time is like i can't really tell if sam rockwell is actually an actor or if he like happens to be colin farrell's friend and he's just like he's a murderer psychopath like you know what i mean like i don't really get right sam rockwell's backstory and, and not that it's necessary but it is interesting we don't get it yeah um i mean you don't get that i don't get sam and and christopher walken's backstory like, how did that end up happening? How did they get the stealing dogs thing yeah. going? How, how much money could you possibly make off of that? Because you have to, like, at a certain point, you have to be taking so many dogs that you're going to get caught in order to make. Well, they did. 
that that's the thing if you're going to take all your dogs from this one location so in this case it's the it's the la brea tar pits if you're constantly stealing dogs you're going to get recognized i mean they did it smart where sam rockwell stole the dog christopher walken gave it back but i mean that's just two people in a in a multi thousands of dollar operation right yeah you steal I, a dog and you get 500 bucks for every dog you steal okay well, the other thing, too, is, like, why do you keep going back to the La Brea Tar Pits? Like, why don't you hit a different area of town? Look, I've lived in L.A. There's way more than just the La Brea Tar Pits. I mean, there's a fucking, there's, like, one of the most famous dog parks right at the bottom of Hollywood Hill. Right. Yeah, I mean, not that I said right like I knew, but I believe you. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's just, like, this operation could have been a little better put together. Um I do like real quick before we start meeting more of the psychopaths, which I think is probably my favorite part of this. Yeah. Um, besides Sam Rockwell, Sam Rockwell is my favorite part of this movie. And usually I'm a Colin Farrell guy, but this time Sam Rockwell was just given the better part. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's two points where, uh, you know, Colin Farrell's talking about Kaya and Sam Rockwell's like calling her a bitch and saying, you know, da, da, da. he just keeps like kind of demeaning her. And Colin Farrell's just like, well, why don't you get a girlfriend? He's like, maybe I have a girlfriend and, you know, it's just too dangerous for me to tell you about. It. I have to not tell you for your own safety. And you're right. just like, oh, it's, that's like the, my girlfriend goes to another high school that <laughs> you guys don't know about. <laughs> right. And then it turns out to be actually true. And then like, he, you know, when the Tom Waits, who plays Zachariah, comes over with the bunny. And uh, Colin Farrell or Sam Rockwell leaves Colin Farrell with him. He's like, I have to go play tennis with my girlfriend. He's like, you don't even have a fucking girlfriend. It's like tennis. (laughs) Right. So I I just think it's cool. Like the like little like bullshit lines that Sam Rockwell leaves that then turn out to actually be true. Cause he's like, he kind of acts like this mysterious guy. And then it turns out he actually is. So what I love about that is that you find out that he's sleeping with Angela, which is Woody Harrelson's uh, girlfriend. And Woody Harrelson is like one of the most dangerous mob guys in all of L.A. Uh, mob, what would you say, gangster? He's just mafia. mafia. Is that mafia in New York? I think they could probably go other places. I don't think they're like bound <laughs> to a geographical. It's not really Italian. All right, listen. So he's a dangerous motherfucker, okay? And I love how this movie sets up, right? Sets up Colin's character. Sets up Sand's character. You get to meet Christopher Walken playing Hans and his character. What do they do? They steal dogs for money. And it's not like a legit and everyone frowns upon it. But then you get the whole setup with the payoff being they stole a dog from one of the most dangerous dudes in LA. And it just so happens to be the same dude that Sam Rockwell's character is sleeping with his girlfriend. But then you find out it's not just a coincidence. He yeah, finds out about the dog through her and like decides to like proactively like seek out that dog and fucking steal it by the precious girl. Yeah. Gabrielle Sidibe. Yeah. Sidibe, Sidibe. Um What I like the way you find out that the dog has been stolen is the way that they introduce, introduce Woody Harrelson. I like but- it the way they introduce Woody Harrelson too. You're a big old introduce. So the the fact that he's like, you know, screaming at Gabrielle Sidibe, who I guess is what, Sharice? Yeah. Just like continually screaming at her and then decides like, all right, you know, you lost my dog, so I have to kill you. And then his gun doesn't work. And then he tries again, it doesn't work. And then he's and then he apologizes to her because he's like, I need to oil it, but I'm sorry. And she's like, you know, I love that dog too. He's like, that is unfair that you use my gun not working to try and beg for your life. It's like, he's just so sincere in the like, no, no, you know, what are you doing here? And then I love his, his henchman, uh, Billy Corrigan. Is it Billy Corrigan? No, it's I not. don't know, but it's a, yeah, it's a oh. semi-famous guy that you see playing side Billy Corrigan and... is the lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins. But I've uh, seen him in other stuff. Yeah. His last name's Ke- it's Kevin Corrigan. Yeah. And, and you have. Oh, I hand- thought you were saying the lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins was that Kevin guy. Corrigan. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> you, have Kevin, you just have his henchman Kevin Corrigan, whose name in this is Dennis. 
um, just say like, oh, you know what? I think there've been a lot of dog nappings over there. And Woody Harrelson's like, and when the fuck were you going to mention this to me? Uh, I love how, how that whole un- scene's funny. I love how unhinged you you get to know Woody Harrelson's character. Like, you don't know if he's a good bad guy or a bad bad guy um, right away because he does spare her life. He pretends to shoot her and he just shoots like next to her wall, and scares the shit out of her. Um, but he doesn't kill her. But then I hated this scene. I hated watching it. I knew it was coming. We don't have to talk about it now. But then you find out he's a bad, bad guy. You know, he's, he is a bad, bad guy. Uh, and we can get to that by talking about Hans's wife, uh, Myra. Um, he's, he is a bad guy, but he's, he is somewhat principled, right? Because as, he, as you say, like, he kind of, because... Kevin Corrigan speaks up. He realizes, okay, this wasn't actually Sharice's fault. There are these people stealing dogs. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I'm going to let her live. Mm-hmm. Um, in the end, he lets uh, Colin Farrell live because he's like, you know what? You're not really the one involved here. And we'll, I want to get into that scene more because it's the, the last part of this movie with Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell is fucking hilarious. It's my favorite part. Yeah. Um, but so, but when it does come to you know you find out that hans woody uh christopher walken's wife has cancer um but then she gets the all clear uh but because woody harrelson's dog was stolen he shows that uh christopher walken's wife is at this hospital so he goes to the hospital and finds christopher walken and yeah it's it's kind of a a rough scene because you you just sort of know that he's going to figure it out i don't know if you felt that way but I feel like he felt he figured it out five seconds into the room. Like he knew the story she was spinning. That's how I felt about it. I think he kind of bought it because the last name is Polish and you know, it's an African American woman sitting there and he just, I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's easy for you to not make that connection that, Oh, you know, he could have possibly married a black woman. Um, I think he started to figure out when her story was when she just kept inquiring like, Oh, well, what are you going to do to her? And Oh yeah, he come, he, he's already come today. And Oh yeah, you, you know, you shouldn't wait. You know what I mean? Like, and she tries to leave. Let me ask I, you something. Did it automatically connect to you when he took off his ascot and you see the scar? Did it like connect to you that he was the Quaker? No, me either. And what's crazy is I don't know why it didn't connect to me until uh, when, when he asked Colin Farrell to tell him a story. And as soon as Colin Farrell started saying the story, I was like, Oh fuck. No. Like without even him reacting. And then I, I love Christopher Walken's reaction of like, after he like helps Colin tell the end of the story, he's like, that's a good story. Did you, did you come up with that all by yourself? Yeah, and then I love, actually, I was watching Sam Rockwell's reaction the entire time, and he's just like, just like shaking his head, like ever so slightly, <laughs> like wide-eyed, like, shut up, shut up, shut up. I'm like, I'm really glad Sam Rockwell won uh, the Oscar for Three Billboards, because he's so fucking good in he this and everything. Yeah, sorry, real quick. Have you seen Moon? Oh, yeah, I love Moon. Okay, cool. Any any actor that can carry an entire movie, I mean, obviously, I think you have... um what's his name? Kevin Spacey's voice in it too, but doing, you know, just a little bit. But yeah, if you have one actor carrying basically an entire movie, that's like, you know, you're fucking good. And did he's ever, great in that. Did I ever tell you I met Sam Rockwell? No, where? At, at my school. He, he came to our school to speak. Um, and we, my entire class and him watched Moon. Did you steal his poster? Shh. Let's see if I remind you to cut this part. <laughs> um, I really want to quick, I think we can talk about this through line throughout because we just mentioned it, but the Quaker story. Yeah. First of all, I love that it's a Buddhist and then Amish and then gets the Quaker, yeah. which also is kind of interesting because it's like this story came from Hans who told it. To I thought about that too. Sam yeah. Rockwell. So, I mean, and you don't really, I, well, you know Christopher Walken is Christian, so then the Buddhist part obviously doesn't work. But that is such a fucking cool story. It's so great the way it's done. Um, I was reading some trivia that in the courtroom scene when the guy, when, you know, the part where he's like, he asked for the death penalty, but they gave him life. 
Mm-hmm. Apparently, Crispin Glover is somewhere in that courtroom scene. Okay. Yeah, I just saw it, but I did not go back to check because I did not care. But I'm I like say- I like to think of Crispin Glover just like crawls onto some scene, some movie <laughs> sets like once in a while, just to <laughs> fuck with people, just to be like in the background, just so they'll be watching it in the theater or at home and be like, "Wait, is that fucking Crispin Glover back there?" Well, maybe him and Rockwell are friends from the uh, Charlie's Angels movie. Yeah, maybe. But then again, I just like to think that he's just around Hollywood. Yeah, well, he he got on, he got in, and then once he got in, later on, he like sends a bill. He's like, "Hey, you owe me money because I was in that movie." Um, but that that is so great. It's so creepy. I the ending is so great, which is why it's so funny when Christopher Walken calls him out um, of just like the guy like oh well if i kill myself then i'm guaranteed to go to hell and then this quaker can't follow me and just as you've cut your neck watching the other guy cut his neck to follow you again yeah um i i also love the the fact that colin farrell's kind of telling that story at a party when he's drunk yeah and colin farrell's a complete fucking asshole at that party yep like, first of all, calling Sam Rockwell dumb because apparently he doesn't get it because he's not giving him the reaction he wants. And then, like, calling him a dog, you know, you're a dog kidnapper in front of everyone. Like, kind of, like, blowing up his spot. And then apparently calling his girlfriend a bitch in front of everybody. Yeah. I like that scene, though, when he, like, wakes up the next morning and he's like, Oi, why am I in your apartment? And then Sam's like, because you called your girlfriend a bitch. He's like, no, I didn't. And he gives her a call. And she's like, do the words, you fucking bitch, remind you of anything? And he's like, Sam Rockwell just gives him a look like, I told you so. I really thought she was going to end up back in the movie at some point. And like, she is kind of in a a flashback. And I want to talk about a little bit of that later. But it's not a flashback. It's a dream sequence. It's a... um... No, what's it called in a documentary when they show you? It's like a reenactment, but it's not a reenactment because it it's has an, an alternate alternate it's an, ending. It's an enactment. <laughs> it's a god. Act. I think that's just called a sh- a play. <laughs> it's a it's a dream sequence. <laughs> okay, glad we rounded that back. Um, yeah. So I think the next thing you come to is uh, well, continuing off of the Quaker story, right? Because then Christopher Walken is like. Yeah, you got the main gist of it, but you missed some detail. And I love how his wife and him were standing outside his window when he cut his throat. Yeah, well, and I also, too, he's like, you know, you missed, he's like, you did, you left out that the fact that my daughter was black and that my wife came with me. I do like, so in the beginning, the first time I rewatched this, this time, he says, do you think Wendy, you, are we going to see Wendy again? Um, and then she says, you know, I'm worried that we were wrong for all those years. And I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe like Wendy was his former wife and they were like cheating on each other. So I was like, I was like, is this like his second wife? And I co- cause I completely forgot the story. Um, but when you rewatch it again and she's like, you know, maybe we were wrong for all those years and you know, there's no heaven for us. It's like, Oh, well shit. Now that, that all ties together. And so, um, Speaking of people being fucking assholes and not just calling Farrell at the party, but Sam Rockwell is pretty much a fucking asshole to every single person um, in the movie. Because for obvious reasons, Angela, for obvious reasons, everyone he's killed, for obvious reasons, Woody Harrelson's character, right? Okay. But he is just no reason a fucking asshole to Hans. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what's I'm- things- I'm talking about where he's sitting in the desert, hiding from him, high on peyote, and he's telling, and he's pretending to be his wife. I'm like, that's just cruel. His dead wife. His so dead I, wife. I wondered, was that, because I actually somewhat disagree with you, because I thought maybe he lied about that to try and convince, to try and like, you know, Hans is now questioning his entire belief system. <laughs> okay. And I thought he maybe had lied to him. Just like, Hey, you know how I can do your, so the your only reason, voice. the only reason. <laughs> Cause he got the gray, right? <laughs> Cause he got the gray, right? Yeah. Cause well, it's so funny. He goes, Oh, so what did you say? 
And Sam Rockwell was just standing there with this expression on his face. He's like, what did I say? I like just, specifically, specific, like you want specifics of what I said? He's just like, I don't gray and shit. <laughs> it's just so spot on. Um, I don't know how he came up with that correct answer, but it was the correct answer. Uh, did you like the, <laughs> first of all, I like the psycho number four, which is the Vietnamese priest. And then Colin Farrell explains to him that the priest isn't even, or the Viet, the Vietnamese guy isn't even really a priest. He just likes the look of a Vietnamese guy in a priest outfit with a snub nose gun. Yeah. Yeah. And the prostitute. But then I really like how, um, who rewrote it? Was it Hans that rewrote it? Yeah. Chris yeah. Walken. Yeah. So Christopher Walken rewrote it. Like there's no, but it, what was it in Vietnamese? It was like silence, brother, desist, bro- desist brother. This won't help. Yeah. Desist brother. This won't help. Uh, such like a the- trippy sequence after that followed to like the burning alive is so crazy. He's like, I know you don't like dream sequences, but I think this one might work. I mean, I like that the hooker went to Yale and speaks perfect Vietnamese. I mean, they fleshed out the hooker more than they fleshed out some of the main characters. Well, and this is uh, something that was really great. Um, and this is like part of the, the movie getting really meta. When Hans is like, I, you know, to Colin Farrell, I read your script. None of the women do anything. Like they just either get killed or like, you know, are just immaterial. And, and Colin Farrell's like, well, I mean, you know, the world's tough on women. It's <laughs> like, yeah, but the ones I know can at least like string a sentence together. And it is like funny how like the director is kind of like, yeah, the, like the women in this movie don't really have like these crazy good roles and like sort of admitting to it and like doing it in this, and but also like pointing out that this is like a, an issue, but you know, doing it in kind of a funny way. I thought it was great. While that is true, and most of them do end up dead or just kind of thrown away in the end, like Kaya, the I thought Myra actually was a great character. I thought her last scene uh, with Woody Harrelson, she acted the hell out of that. I thought that was great. And I actually really appreciated, um, it's not a character in like the main plot of the movie, but um, Maggie... Zachariah's wife I thought she was a great character too yeah but by the way we didn't even mention the whole beginning of that story about how like Zachariah's wife was changed up in a judge's house in Louisiana and like that's how they found him uh, or that's how Zachariah like found her in the beginning which what was Zachariah even doing in the judge's house he was a burglar oh that's so just just happened to burglarize the you know a house um yeah, that that whole as we already said, but that whole plot was Zachariah. Like his his flashback stories were fucking nuts. I thought it was also crazy that Zachariah had an African American wife, and they went around killing serial killers. But then at the same time, Hans had an African American wife, and they went around tormenting their daughter's killer. I thought they were going to draw some sort of like linear line that was like, oh, this is actually the other version. Or one of them was a story, like a script version of those characters. Because the similarities were just like really, well, similar. Can you distinguish a linear line compared to like other lines? Well, I mean, a linear line connects two points. Linearly? Linearly. And then, well, like a nonlinear line doesn't connect the points at all. (sighs) Yeah. Um, I'm exhausting. I know. One thing, I don't know if you noticed this, and I remember bringing up in the face-off about the really bad blood spatter when the guy got shot in the head, and like this blood spatter just kind of stuck up and stayed yeah, on his yeah, hair. That's right. What I really appreciate is when the Jack of Diamonds kills Kevin Corrigan, not Billy Corrigan, and then kills the other guy. Mm-hmm. When the bullet like supposedly goes through the dude's head, the back of the guy's hair flies up as if a bullet really went through his head. And I was just like, that looked really fucking realistic. So I really like appreciated the, the effects on it. I really thought the beginning scene where those two random hitmen were talking about shooting someone through the eye. Um, I thought shooting someone through the eye was going to come up again later in the movie. And 
I was really disappointed. Or at least an ice, at least an ice pick in the air, which is like a completely different thing. It's also funny that you have those two guys, like they're both pretty, like, like I recognize both of them, like to have them in this like very small part is kind of interesting. Okay. Let me ask you this. Am I crazy? Because the older guy in that movie looked like a younger version of uh, what's his face from in Bruges. Who? The other hitman guy. That's not Colin Farrell. No. Gleason? Gleason. Didn't? No, listen. Hear me out. Didn't the guy, the older guy from Seven Psychopaths in the first scene look like a younger Gleason from in Bruges? I mean, that was the whole point you were already making. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I just know what both of them look like. So... Similar. For me, no. <laughs> Similar. Okay, fine. So that's, that's a no for me. Um, one, like, really great walk-in line, too, is when after... One, after his wife is killed, and they all... Well, no, no, it was before his wife was killed. I'm sorry. Before Walken's wife was killed, they're all eating. Uh, the Jack of Diamonds has just saved Walken and Colin Farrell. And Colin Farrell's like, why don't we just call the cops? And Colin Farrell's like says, aren't there some good cops? The look of disgust that Christopher Walken gives him at the thought of there being good cops and calling the cops is just like so funny to me. Just like, oh, I can't even believe you. We should do a thing where we watch it twice, we record the podcast, but then you point out things that I have no idea and then I need to watch it again. Because, I mean, there's a lot of details that I guess without like really focusing on them, especially my first time watching it, I'm just trying to take in the movie as, as a plot, you know, non-metaphorically of course, but just trying to take it in at plot based. Yeah. I honestly, when I watched it the second time, I didn't catch a ton. There was like a few things that I caught. Um, nothing like really crazy. Did, did you think, it was odd that Christopher Walken went up to Woody Harrelson afterwards and like showed him his neck scar and was just kind of getting very like aggressive, passive aggressive with him. So I thought it was really odd until you find out that he's the Quaker and that's kind of just his MO, right? Like how passive aggressive do you get to be with your daughter's killer? You follow him around for the rest of his life and then you fucking cut your own throat the same time he does. Like that totally fits his character doing that to Woody Harrelson. And that makes sense once you find out who he is. Yeah, no, actually that is a good point that you made. The fact that he was the Quaker guy. So just mentally trying to fuck with people. Although Woody Harrelson, had he known, would have just shot him in the head. So yeah. Um, I, I love the, uh, the Angela Olga Karolinka scene, like especially when she finds out that he stole Woody Harrelson's dog and he's like, you have to give the dog back. And he's like, you don't give back the kidnapped dog that defeats the whole purpose of the kidnapping. Like I'm not, I'm not giving back the dog. Uh, I think that like that part's really great. And then the way I was thinking about this earlier, the way Christopher Walken just, it's like, Oh yeah, she, her cancer's all gone. And Sam Rockwell's like, Oh, that's great. And he's like, well, no, uh, she was shot dead um, in the head by, the guy whose dog you stole. Um, you know, which, I mean, for being a psycho, Sam Rockwell does show remorse. Like, you could tell on his face that he actually felt really shitty about that. Yeah, and then it's like, why does he shoot Olga Karolinko? Like, Angela, why? I, like, I didn't really get that part. Okay, so I have a moral question for you. Okay? Let's do it. All right. I... I I know my, my opinion isn't going to be popular, but I stand by it. Is it murder? Okay, just hear me out. Is it murder? If you kill the guys that was going to kill Angela, in saving Angela's life, right? But then later on down the line, you kill her anyways, completing what was going to happen until you interfered. Is that actually murder or are you just letting the process of things when you didn't interfere before play out 
It's actually more murders. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not counting the two guys. He, I'm not counting the two hitmen he killed. I'm just saying those hitmen were supposed to kill Angela. So Angela was supposed to die a lot sooner than she did. But since he killed her, and essentially... I, I, Gabe, I get like, your... If you looked at the universe as like a destiny, destiny chart, right? And she was supposed to die on like January 25th, but then you killed the guy that was supposed to kill her on January 25th. So she lived until like February 2nd, and then you killed her there. Technically, you're prolonging her life. It's not really your problem that you ended it. Is that murder? Yes. I don't know. I think that'd be an interesting case in a court of law. <laughs> no one wouldn't. And first of all, just because you do a good thing doesn't cancel out the bad thing you then do. I'm not saying it cancels it out. I'm saying the good thing outweighs the bad thing you do. You killed the two bad people. You gave her like six extra days. That's a good thing. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts as to why he killed Angela? I think she was just about to give him up to Woody Harrelson. I mean, she already he, did. He, he didn't really mean to kill her, right? He just shot her in the stomach, which we know from Reservoir Dogs, you can live a very long time, at least a two-hour movie. But and it's the most painful way to get shot, too. That's true, but maybe she deserved it. You don't know what kind of morals she like falls under. I mean, she was cheating with her, her boyfriend, right? And then on top but he of was that... A, but he was a psychopath and a murderer. They both war, were. It's, it, listen, the point is, is that he called 911. He gave her a good, fair chance to live. Her body failed her, not Sam Rockwell. He handed her the jack of diamonds because, you know, she was going to die. You don't pull out the jack of diamonds. I, I got to say, one of my favorite moments in the whole film, and we can get back to this if we want to, but I stand where I stand. But my favorite moment, one of them, in the whole film is when Woody Harrelson and his thugs are searching Sam Rockwell's place. And he's like, we didn't find the dog here, sir, blah, blah, blah. But get this. He has a shit ton of playing cards. And the Jack of Diamonds is missing from all of them. I thought that was a great funny moment. Well, first of all, that scene is great because before that, you know, his, his guy, which by the way, the, his, his, his fellow henchman was the guy, the Canadian who didn't like that Colin Farrell's girlfriend was smoking and in Bruges and Colin Farrell beats up. Oh, okay. Which that guy's really great in this. Um, uh, he's Paolo in the movie. But I had the thought of it is so highly inefficient for him to be the Jack of Diamonds. Because you got to spend, like, what's a deck of cards? Like, let's say, like, three bucks. So you got to spend $3 every time you murder someone. There's only one Jack of Diamonds in each deck. You have to buy a new deck every time you murder someone. Yep. So what I was thinking is. Okay. You could call yourself like the Royal Flush and then you, like just a different face card each time. So instead of using one out of 52 cards, you could use 20 out of 52 cards. Way more efficient. You're saving money. I am looking up on Amazon right now. On if can you can you buy, buy just a single, just jack, a of single jack of diamonds card like in bulk. And I don't think you can. But also, I want you to think about the fact that you don't have to do this, right? This is all very theatrical of him, um, which fits him being an actor, which is kind of funny. But you could just go on the internet, find a picture of the Jack of Diamonds, print a shit ton of them out, and go to, like, I don't know, your local Office Depot and have them, like, laminate. Yeah, but then that's the way you get caught, right? I mean, the same, I, the you same don't get caught if, buying a shit ton of cars. You just go to, you hit different CVSs and Walgreens. I mean, like, and if you're going, <laughs> just search eBay. You're like, all right, there's been one dude who's ordered 500 Jack of Diamonds bulk in the last month in LA. We like, think this is our guy. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, call yourself the Royal Flush, and you can use 20 out of the 52 cards. Just do a different one each time. You could do them in order too. Like 
Ooh. you know, ace, king, queen, jack, 10. And or what like, about depending on who you kill, you give different cards. So it's like you kill a mafia head honcho, you give him the king. You kill his girlfriend or wife, you give her the queen. You kill a, a lonely thug, you give him the jack. What's the ace then? Though? The ace is higher than the, the king. No, not always. Remember in like, it's either a one or an 11. So you could go either way with an ace. Except in order to make it the royal flush, it has to be the high. Okay. Then, then whatever's higher than the king, a guy you killed gave the king to, you kill the higher guy, you give the... I don't understand what the problem is. I'm just saying 20 out of 52 cards. To me, it is the way to go to save money. Especially because he's a struggling actor, and you can't be making much off of this whole dog kidnapping thing. Five hundred bucks a dog. You can buy so many playing cards. But how that. many dogs can you do before you get? We're 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 going in circles. Let's keep it moving. Well, I'm thinking at this point you could just call yourself the dealer, and you could just hand out any cards to anyone. Now you're thinking. Ah. Now, now we've done it. One pack of um, cards gets you 52 kills. I don't know if you noticed this, but when you already talked about Colin Farrell reading the journal, and I love how you know you have Sam Rockwell like stop asking to be a part of the movie, da da da, like all that. Mm-hmm. The musical notes like seem like they're taken from in Bruges. <laughs> I did not notice that. Like yeah, like it's the same kind of brooding tones like from that just in that little part and i was like he just was like you know what you know what would go great here i already know what would go great here because i did it already (laughs) just like put it in (laughs) um at this point i think we're we've mentioned pretty much all the uh psychos right um yeah i mean we're i you know what's funny is you know uh the jack diamonds is one and then Sam Rockwell is seven. So we don't really get to seven psychos. I mean, I think, honestly, David, we get to way more than just seven psychos. I mean, if you really break it down, you have Hans, who's the Quaker. Yeah, we're at one. You have the Jack of Diamonds, who also counts as Sam Rockwell. So that's two. So, okay. Well, then no, they're one person. So we're at two. No, that's what I said. We're at two. Then Maggie and Zach. Maggie and Zach, exactly. Charlie. Charlie. Wait, who's Vietnamese Charlie? guy. Charlie is Woody Harrelson. Oh, okay. Vietnamese guy, right? Yeah, so it's six. Need one more. Um, I mean... The Colin Farrell... It's a stretch. Well, okay. I mean, everyone who works with Woody Harrelson? You know, maybe Sharice. Maybe Sharice. <laughs> um, the Shih Tzu? <laughs> the fucking Shih Tzu. I, uh, I really like the uh, Hanses. This is as they're driving into the desert, and eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. Uh-huh. Sam Rockwell's like, no, it doesn't, because who's going to stab the last guy with one eye? So like, Gandhi was an idiot. No one's willing to say it except me. <laughs> um, I really do. Speaking of Hans, I really appreciate his Grand Torino moment in the desert with uh, the rest of uh, Woody Harrelson's guys. That's, it's, that was in the trailer. It's the best part of this movie. It's the only part I remembered before watching it again. It Just was in like, the trailer? Yeah unfortunately that's that's a whole other fucking conversation about like do not put the best fucking moment or the funniest moment in a trailer like so many comedies do that where they put one of the funniest moments in the trailer to get people in and then you fucking ruin it when the movie happens well the problem is is that look it's like us with our cold opens right we try not to put like the funniest moment in the episode but like the second or third funniest moment because here's what happens if you put the funniest moment in a trailer of a comedy, right? You're like, wow, shit, that's really funny. No way would they be stupid enough to put the funniest moment. I can't <laughs> wait to go see the movie because I'm going to laugh my ass off. You sit through the whole fucking movie. That moment comes up. You give it a chuckle because you knew it was coming and you saw it and, you know, whatever, whatever in the trailer. 
And then no moment in the rest of the fucking film lives up to that moment. And what do you get because of that? You get really negative reviews. Disappointment. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's like, yeah. It, like you see a trailer and you're like, if that's in there, like what have they not shown me? And it's like, they haven't shown you anything. Like, cause that's the best part. No, but I always get suspicious whenever I actually find a trailer, like really funny. I'm like, Oh my God, that's so freaking hilarious. But then I'm like, Oh shit. If they're like pulling every joke that they have it to shown in the trailer, just to get you in the seat, then they probably don't have a lot of jokes. It's probably not good, not that funny of a film. In defense of this one, though, like a lot of the jokes are either too offensive, too raunchy to put in the trailer, uh, and the Chris that Christopher Walken scene because Christopher Walken's so fucking awesome is still great every time you see it. Just to put your hands up, he's like, no, he's like, and that's why like I love the other guy too, uh, Paolo, because just like what that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> he's like, too bad. You know, the guy who plays Paolo, he plays um, a lot of, like, main villains in television shows. But every time he's in a movie, he's a minor character. I mean, that's the, that's the TV to movie transitions hard for some people. That's true. Um, Not for George Clooney. I think now we're in the desert. And I love, first of all, how Colin Farrell's like, oh, and you mentioned this, but oh, we'll just, you know. I'm just going to have the characters talk in the desert and then, you know, they'll all walk away at the end. <laughs> Sam Rockwell, what the fuck? No shootout? Yeah. No shoot? Is this a French movie? No shootout? You know, but you get the best of both worlds, which I really, really like how they ended it because you, you have Hans, um, Christopher Walken, you have him walking away. You have Christopher walking away. Anyways, you have him walking away. Um, and then there's like a tiny little shootout and he dies. And then basically you have Colin Farrell and Woody Harrelson drive away. But then that ends in a shootout. Like all the characters walk away except the guy who doesn't want everyone to walk away, which is Sam Rockwell. Who like, I love the part where he has three guns and he throws two. And Woody Harrelson's like, no, no, no. I saw you with a third gun. He's like, shit. <laughs> yeah, he was like holding it in his mouth as he's shooting them. Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit about the, uh, the cemetery shootout scene that Billy Sam Rockwell right. describes. Yeah. Um, first of all, I like how he's, he says like, yeah, the animals can't die. You know, he's talking about the bunny getting away. He's like, the animals can't die, but just the women, which is also just like, another meta comment on the fact that like when animals die in movies, people get real sad or, you know, kids obviously, but like men and women, whatever, it's just like, you know, that's fine. Um, the one thing I wanted to point out about Kaya in this is, did you, did you notice that when she first comes on screen, she's wearing a very clearly see-through shirt because this is Sam Rockwell's vision of what it should be. Right. It cuts away, cuts back to her. And it's no longer see-through because the squibs have to like go off to show her getting shot through. Ah. Which I thought was really like kind of a funny one. Why was I paying that close attention? We don't need to talk about that. I know but, why. <laughs> but two, I think it's like a really funny kind of like movie moment that they had to do. Like they had it's it's kind of showing because this is Sam Rockwell's vision of this movie and it's kind of so shitty. And uh Christopher Walken and Colin Farrell make fun of it afterwards, like <laughs> Does a, does a shotgun make a guy's head explode? <laughs> Colin Farrell's like, only if there's ex his head is made of explosives. Right. Um, I think that part is, is really interesting, really funny. No, I mean, that whole scene where it's like, so the Jack of Diamonds is hiding behind the grave marker. And then, uh, you know, he comes. What's, what's Woody Harrelson's character name? Char Charlie? Charlie. Charlie. And Charlie comes in and he's like, but he brought his thing and he said no guns and then they interrupted him and they were like, so wait, wouldn't he be expecting the guns? And so when Woody Harrelson actually ends up showing up in real life, right, in real time, um, completely unarmed, and that whole scene, I mean, if you want to talk about that scene, that whole scene is funny, where he shoots him in the back and he tries to go for the spine and he pretends he's really injured, but he's not hardly injured at all. He kind of just walks it off. 
but then he has a whole armada of guys like waiting at the bottom of the hill. Well, yeah, and that's why he had the he had a flare gun, and he shoot and, and once Sam Rockwell realizes it, shoots it off. Um, to uh, entice yeah. to entice the shootout, right? And like the the part where Woody Harrelson is making fun of Colin Farrell is funny. He's like he's like. First of all, this kind of shows Woody Harrelson's like a little bit of like moral character and that he doesn't shoot Colin Farrell because he's like, you really haven't done anything wrong. Right. And I, I love the way he makes fun of Colin Farrell. He's like, look, one of your friends already got killed and another is about to get killed. But I've had like five of my guys get killed, <laughs> including my girlfriend, who I really didn't like. But the point is five is more than two. So quit this mopey shit you're doing right now. And then like pinches his shoulder <laughs> to like get him to like yell. You know what just occurred to me is that in Billy's actment of like how this was all supposed to go down and really just use actment. Yeah. Uh, how this was all supposed to go down in his shootout fantasy. Um, and he's like, well, Colin, you're just sitting there in the corner writing. Right. Right. And then Kaya comes in and you have to watch her get all shot up. But replace Kaya with Sam Rockwell, I mean, it's kind of heartbreaking because it kind of tells you how this movie's going to end, where um, Marty is just kind of watching Sam Rockwell die, but you kind of know that he's safe for the entirety of the film. I mean, if you believe that the enactment, it's an I, enactment, it's not an enactment. It's, it's a foreshadowing. It's Maybe. A, Man, well, you don't you don't know in a that kind of a cool way though yeah i know it ends up being right but you don't know that so it's not like it yeah. ruins it yeah. <laughs> I, but back to the enactment I, I love afterwards christopher walken's reaction of like i liked it it's got layers i, I was definitely paying attention i'll tell you that <laughs> what every screenwriter doesn't <laughs> want to hear um Okay, so we get to the end of the movie. I love, I think you wanted to talk about like the last interaction between Sam Rockwell and Woody Harrelson because I thought that was really funny. It's probably, to me, it's the funniest part. Like one, Sam Rockwell has already been getting mad about like the no shootout in the script. He then calls Charlie and blows up their cars and he's like, I've labeled the guns. You don't have to use them, but we've done enough talking. This ends my way. So when it's just down to Charlie, Paolo, and Sam Rockwell, so Woody Harrelson, Paolo, and, and Sam Rockwell, and Woody Harrelson tries to shoot him and his gun doesn't work, and he's like, dude, your gun's not working at the shootout? At the fucking shootout, your gun's not working? It, it, in that instant, it kind of reminds me of Ray Fiennes from, like, uh, yeah. in Bruges, where he's yeah. just like, this is the shoot. Like, you have to be ready, you know what I mean? Like, you have to treat this with the the reverence it deserves and then he starts count, counting down i love five four he gets to three and woody harrelson starts like almost crying like can you please go back to five he's like i'm not going back to five and he like <laughs> looks at the dog he's like five <laughs> like that that i think what makes like martin mcdonough's scripts and his movies so amazing to me is like the way you can have such like an intense situation and find the comedy in it and just make it so hilarious. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the writing and a lot of that has to do with like really fucking great actors in the movie. Yeah. Like, you know, Gleason, Colin Farrell, in this case, Sam Rockwell, like Woody Harrelson's like Woody Harrelson is, I think so underappreciated as an actor. So that's really what, you know, makes this movie so great. Um, a little detail, uh, super small, but Woody Harrelson completely throws Paolo under the bus because he's for, like, for his dog, for his dog. And he's like, listen, don't kill my dog. He's like, you kill my friend. He's like, well, technically Paolo killed your friend. I didn't. And then when his gun jams and he's like, Paolo, shoot him. Paolo's like, yeah, no, forget it. Fuck you. Fuck you. I thought that was like a really good moment. Like that's how, you know, everything kind of paid off. And then the ending is great, right? Because Sam Rockwell is laying there dying 
the police come to arrest Woody Harrelson and Paolo and the whole motivation for, for Woody Harrelson's character, Charlie is to get his Shih Tzu back that he loves so, so much. He loves it more than any of his henchmen. He loves it more than his girlfriend. He loves it more than life. And for Sam Rockwell to have spent this entire movie having the Shih Tzu, teaching it a trick that Charlie could never teach it. And for him to execute that trick by going paw, paw, and then finally the Shih Tzu giving him his paw, and it's just like a big fuck you to Woody Harrelson. It's, it's great. It, it was like the perfect way to finish the movie. Except that's not actually the ending. Except that's not the actually the ending. I was actually curious when I watched it the second time today if you had just like immediately turned it off as soon as the credits rolled. I was like, I wonder if you'd missed it. Um, like to set this up a little bit, when Zachariah is telling his story to Colin Farrell, he says, you can use this, but you have to put my information at the end of the movie so that Maggie can call me because I still love her and I miss her. And I love... Zachariah calling Colin Farrell and being like, so I saw your movie today and the realization hitting Colin Farrell's face of, oh, fuck, I didn't put that on the end. Well, what's even funnier is that when he was promising him, yes, I will, he goes, you promise? And he goes, yeah, on my life. And so now he has his life indebted, right? Well, well and Zachariah's like, that's, um, you know, that's a big thing to bet your life on this, uh, you know, to promise your life. So yeah, that, that ending's great. I just love that Zachariah's like, wow, you really seem like you've been through it. I'm just going to, you know, we'll just, I'm just going to let this one go. I, I can't come over. But it's, it's great, right? Because Colin Farrell's character through the entire movie is kind of like this unmotivated, sniveling wimp of a, of a guy, of a writer. And he somehow unknowingly has surrounded himself with these psychos and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, that's why I say he's the seventh because at the end he scares the bejesus out of a psycho that goes around killing serial killers. It is not scare the bejesus. He, he is he, so pity. He's so pitiful that the psycho is just like, I can't even kill you. No, I think that's a character arc, David. I think you're mistaken. Pity pitiful. <laughs> for like you know what fuck it i don't give a shit come at me bro and the guy's like yeah never mind fuck no that's not the way that played out i um i also really quick want to point out like colin farrell's like not a good writer he just okay, like awful. St steals all of his stuff and like i honestly think he probably even stole the idea for seven psychopaths from sam rockwell like we don't know where that original idea came from but it with everything else we know, it makes sense that he didn't come up with that. I mean, I do, I will say this about his writing and this is a completely fictional character. So I'm really actually uh, just impressed with the writer of seven psychopaths, like the actual movie we watched, not the, the movie in the movie script in the movie, but how he was like, I want a movie called seven psychopaths starring seven psychopaths. And they're all, killers but i i want my movie to be about peace and forgiveness and not about killing and i was like huh that's really interesting no one's gonna fucking watch it but that's really fucking interesting and i liked it for that but other than that colin farrell's character is a shitty writer there's no other way for me to fit this in so we're just gonna do a little trivia corner right here uh -huh. so martin mcdonough has won an oscar what he won an Oscar for best short film uh, live action. He wrote a short film, Six Shooter. He's done three features and a short film. And so the short film won an Oscar. And then he's had these fucking three great movies. The next movie he's doing um, that he's like got in production stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Super fucking excited for I don't even care what it's about. Again? Yeah. They could just keep making movies written by Mark and Martin McDonough, and I'll be there. <laughs> and the last thing is, um, you know, sometimes we'll talk about, like, all the casting, like, changes that may have happened. 
Mm-hmm. The only thing that I saw is uh, Woody Harrelson replaced who was originally supposed to have this role and it was Mickey Rourke and that would have been a fucking awful movie. I'm I not like saying Mickey Mickey, Rourke. I like Mickey Rourke too. And I guess maybe he pulls off comedy but I feel like unintentionally. There's no, like, but I mean, I don't think it would have been an awful movie but it certainly wouldn't have been as good as Woody Harrelson because Woody no. Harrelson plays the absolute dynamite in this role um but it's just like way, you, it's one way to say it yeah yeah it was not how anyone has ever said it before but it was one way to say it um i mean i i really liked his role in three billboards so it was just kind of a what a different character what a different movie well thanks for listening to another episode of i finally watched this is david and this is alan And I finally watched Seven Psychopaths.